Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying. It is gone. Under the Hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Runs. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Trubisky, Robinson, Allen Robinson, touchdown Bears! Back with the interception, and Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. And a lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. DeMarc in it. Oh! He didn't come for the massage, he came for the fight show. Oh, baby. Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, no. Put a body on that man, please. Breaks the hole. Swift got running room. Swift got to go. 30, 20, 10. The Hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in live from Chicago. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app with open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. That's the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood. You follow me on Snapchat. I follow you back guaranteed. Try it, try it. SnapJHood and you get an instant follow from me. Also on Instagram, IGJHood on the program tonight. We'll hear from Jesse Rogers live from Los Angeles as the Cubs get ready to take on the Dodgers at Chavez Ravine. We'll hear from him coming up at 810. We'll also hear from comedian George Wilborn. He's in town at the uh, Chicago Improv in Schaumburg, Chicago's own, coming back for this Father's Day weekend. He's got some shows going on tonight, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll hear from George about his life. It's an interesting career that he's had on radio for a long time and still doing some comedy uh, around the country. So we'll hear from George Wilborn, friend of the program, coming up at 830. We will bear down. Always got some stuff for you. If you are a Bears fan or if you're an NFL fan, we always have something for you on Under the Hood with the NFL. So we bear down every night. We'll have that for you as well. We have one question as well because you never know. You know, on a Friday night, people are busy. They don't have time to have a full interview. So we just ask some of our guests one question. We'll have that for you as well. All part of the mix right here on this Friday night. Hope that you're with us and, uh, and enjoying your weekend as we keep you company here until 9 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So as heard right here on ESPN 1000, the Toronto Raptors win the NBA championship, defeating the Golden State Warriors 114 to 110. The loud sports minority, talking heads and trolls alike, aren't watching the greatness of the NBA or the NBA basketball. They look for failure, and they look for that one trend that they can be able to exploit. And the ignorance of some that are watching this are just looking to find something to make fun of versus really being able to exalt and appreciate the accomplishments. Golden State, the loser in the NBA Finals, showed a lot of resolve, they showed a lot of moxie, and an unwillingness to quit despite adversity being apparent in every game. Not being 100% healthy. And hey, they lost the series. And the reason why they lost the series is because 
They just didn't have enough to be able to get over the hump despite their injuries. I'll take my hat off to Kevin Durant with a torn ACL because, and this is where the hot takes always come out, and I just don't, I just can't do shows with these hot takes. And if that makes me old school, that's just going to be me. I'm just going to tell you right now that when it comes to Kevin Durant with that torn ACL, I think that that was able, you were able to quiet a lot of people that said that the Warriors did not need Kevin Durant. Of course you need Kevin Durant. You can see now that why he is considered by some the best player in the NBA. Of course the Warriors need Kevin Durant. And the story in this in these finals where Kevin Durant tries to come back, not 100%, trying to help the Warriors win, and he goes down to injury, it was reminiscent of watching Derrick Rose go down with an injury against the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs at the United Center. He goes down, and you just know it's done. The same thing with Durant going down. That's a key cog to the Warriors' success, and he goes down because of injury and does not come back. The same thing can be said for Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson missed a game in the finals, played last night, Goes down in the third quarter with a torn ACL. I don't know. I don't think he knew it at the time because there he is carried off the floor, is, is walking back to the trainer's room, and they're saying, well, if you leave now, you won't be able to come back in the game. And it, I've never had a torn ACL, but that is amazing for him to be not just jog, not just walk, but run back on the floor. And then going back on defense after the free throws and thinking he's going to be in place. Because I don't know if it was a shock of everything, the adrenaline flowing, but Clay Thompson thought, okay, yeah, I went down and it hurts, but I got to keep playing for the team. See, this is all this stuff gets lost in the sauce when we talk about sports. It, it, it is so cut and dry for some of us where did you win, did you lose, who can I troll? That's not sports. It hasn't been sports when I was a kid. That's not sports in 2019. If it is for you, good for you. But it's not going to be that for me because there's so many other storylines that were intriguing to me in this NBA playoffs. Clay Thompson comes back on that left knee with a torn ACL and tries to come back in the game. It's incredible trying to continue to play on a torn ACL because it's not about the millions of dollars in that, in that particular moment. It's not about how many houses, how many cars, how many women, how many people are around him. It's about trying to win a championship. And at the very core of sports, it is about wins and losses, but also in that spot, it's about championships, trying to win a championship. So I know that all gets lost because you're trying to figure out what GIF can I use now to make fun of Clay Thompson or how can I be able to talk about this without nuance. It's pretty clear that the Golden State Warriors tried everything they could to be able to capture that championship. The story is is that it is so hard to repeat as champions. And to be able to be in the finals five times, five times, is incredible. Oh, I know, you're bored with the Warriors because, well, that's just too many championships. That's too much success. When nobody around here was bored by the Bulls' success. Now you know how the rest of the country felt about the Bulls in their six titles in eight years. Right? They thought that was tiresome, too, to see the same champion time in and time out. 
And so the feeling that, well, there's not enough parity, you need to see a champion, well, you got one in the Toronto Raptors. We'll talk about them in just a moment right here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So from Kevin Durant and from Clay Thompson, and then from there, DeMarcus Cousins, out all season, comes back to try to help win a championship. Someone else that can give 30 points a game on, on some losing teams, Point is, though, is that it was his opportunity to finally grab that brass ring and be a champion. It didn't happen for him, but he tried to come back, not in, not in shape, but try to do what he could to be able to win a championship. At its core, from the Golden State Warriors standpoint, that's what it's about. The metamorphosis of Draymond Green from loudmouth, technical foul machine to a basketball machine. To where, at times, as you saw in the playoffs, was not necessarily concerned about the referees. He was just trying to get back on defense and trying to be someone that can be a catalyst defensively for the Golden State Warriors. That was something to see. Draymond Stills in the faces of officials, and he was really on the precipice of having his seventh technical foul. But the point is that you saw great basketball from Draymond Green. But I know it's not as funny or flashy as making fun of someone losing the opportunity for a championship. I understand. Not as funny, not as entertaining. I don't know. It's just something about sports. When I'm watching sports, I just want to see who's going to win, who's going to lose, and see how things materialize from year to year. And watch this Golden State Warriors team, what I have said all season, is I appreciate greatness. And so what we saw is greatness. Like, And at its core, I've said this many times, but for those of you listening to me for the first time, at its core... The NBA is about dynasties. That's what it's about. It's about dynasties. It's about teams like the Celtics and the Lakers and the Bulls and the Rockets and the Pistons and other teams that were able to win a number of championships. And the the storyline is who's going to knock them off? Who's going to end the dynasty? That's the thing that's intriguing. Who's going to be that team to be able to upset a championship-level ball club like the Golden State Warriors. And it happened. I saw everything that I want to see from the Warriors. They tried everything with injured players. They went to a zone defense. Did you see that last night? They did anything they could to stop a very good Toronto Raptors team. They went to a zone defense. I saw boxing one. They did everything they could. They emptied the barrel on the Toronto Raptors to win. That's the struggle of trying to win a championship. That is like, okay, this guy's down, but next man up, we got to be. It was frenetic. So crazy, this, these NBA playoffs and these this NBA finals, where you have five consecutive road wins. You've never seen that in the NBA. So I, hats off to the Warriors for having that kind of season where you just don't know what's going to happen from year to year as far as who can stay healthy, who can continue to play at a high level. And I will stand by what I said starting the season when someone said, who can knock off the Warriors? I said, you know who's going to beat the Warriors? The Warriors are going to beat the Warriors. And because of injuries, they beat themselves. And still, still, they lost by four in the last game. With all that being said, all that for the first 13 minutes of the program with Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant and DeMarcus Cousins and, and everything that's going on with that team and all the question marks around that team, they still lost by four. They're still in the mix with four minutes remaining to try to tie the series and, and take it to a game seven. That's resolve. 
That's a championship ball club. And that's what we saw last night. Everything they tried, they tried everything. They are good, but they were not good enough against the Raptors. And also props to Steve Kerr as well as a head coach. You know, he seems to have the right temperament. I've always said this about Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is that dude that walks along, falls into a manhole, gets out of the manhole, dusts himself off. He goes into his pocket, and there's championship rings out of his pocket. Meaning that he's always in the right place at the right time. (laughs) Meaning as a head coach, as a player, he's always in the right place at the right time. That's why he has so many rings, because he's always putting himself in the right spot. Imagine if he was the Knicks coach and took that Knicks job. Right. So that's why this is a great thing for the Warriors. And of course, everyone wants to fast forward and, you know, less than 24 hours later. So what are the Warriors now? Now, what, what were the Warriors going into game six and the accomplishment that they were able to provide in all of the question marks they had on that team? That's the story. That the Warriors and the championships they won. And the other thing, too, I want to point out. It's the same Warriors team, by the way, that played in a, a certain way that we haven't seen ever in the NBA. When you see first-time evers, those are things that should be able to turn your head and say, whoa, wow. We've never seen anyone shoot the ball like Steph Curry. Never. Shooting it from the range that he's had. You know the traditional three-point shooters from the 80s and the 90s, early 2000s. Well, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, for that matter, were able to change the game. I mean, how many real game changers have there been in the NBA? Think about that for a second. Not great players, game changers. Steph Curry changed the game. Growing up in the, in the 80s and watching people try to emulate Michael Jordan's dunks, there's a guy that changed the game because, it, 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 first of all, the game was not uh, dominated by centers as Jordan got into the league. It was by a two-guard which was crazy for its time. You mean you're going to build your team around two guard? How ridiculous is that? They were thinking in the early 80s. And now, look at where it is now, where the three-point shot is so prevalent. It, one through five, you need guys to be able to shoot the three ball. And guess what? You got that with the Raptors. All five of those guys can score the ball from three-point range. Let's talk about the NBA Finals with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Before I turn the page on the Warriors... In the fourth quarter, this is how desperate the Warriors were. In the fourth quarter, coming on the floor was Drepko, Cousins, Livingston, Green, and Cook. <laughs> they, they did anything they could, defensively, personnel-wise, anything to be able to try to get that to a Game 7, and they fell short. But what about the Raptors? You were wondering, like, who can beat the Golden State Warriors? I'm tired of them being in the finals. Why are they? They're a championship team. And when it comes to the NBA, there's, it's about dynasties, right? Well, finally, the Warriors met their match. I couldn't believe the Warriors actually were dead until I saw three zeros on the clock on the board. Until I saw the body unplugged, I did not even, I couldn't believe the Warriors lost. But they lost. First time in 24 years, the Raptors won the NBA championship. 24-year history, they win the NBA championship. Kawhi Leonard makes a decision that he doesn't want to play with the San Antonio Spurs. He gets traded to a team that some believed, hey, you know, why, why, would, you, why, why, hey, why would you go to Toronto? It's basketball exile in Toronto. Why would you? I mean, boy, Pop really stuck it to Kawhi. He's going to send him to a, not only 
a different conference in the Eastern Conference. We're going to send them to Basketball Exile. We're going to send them to Toronto. That'll show him, right? Well, he gets healthy. And he's there as a driving force for the Toronto Raptors. And he helps them win a championship. Here's how you can win a championship. You trade a top 30 player in DeMar DeRozan for a top 10 player in Kawhi Leonard. And he raises the expectations and raises the championship level of the Toronto Raptors to the point where he gets traded and wins a championship. He doesn't say much. He just plays hard. He just shoots and he just plays defense. I can relate to Kawhi Leonard in so many ways. Because there's so many people that looked at Kawhi Leonard and said, yeah, he's a nice player, but... Jonathan Hood is, is, was a, a producer, but there's no way that he's going to be on the air. Jonathan Hood is a, is, a, is a good host, but there's no way that he can ever do this besides doing shows in Chicago. Jonathan Hood is a, is a good host in Chicago, but there's no way he could do it nationally. Jonathan Hood is a good host, but, you know, he's just good enough for just do weeknights. Jonathan Hood is a good host, but, you know, there's no way he'd be on Sirius XM NBA radio. Jonathan Hood is a good host, but there's no way that he could actually do play-by-play for basketball. Jonathan Hood's a good host, but yeah, there's no way he can do Winnie City Bulls basketball on the radio. Eh, there's no way he can do baseball. There's no way that he can teach. There's no way he can do these things. Kawhi Leonard is the guy in which they say you're good, but there's no way you can be a championship-level ball player. Kawhi Leonard is that guy. They didn't say anything. Like me, you just put your head down and you just work. Kawhi Leonard is that same guy that just says, I'm just going to go and just do what I can do to help my team win. That's what Kawhi Leonard does. I don't have the jump shot of Kawhi Leonard, but you understand the point. <laughs> point is, is that you just go and you just do your best and then you go home and you come back and you try to get better and try to help your team get better. Siakam is a young man that's growing up so quickly before our very eyes to watch what he's doing in the league. Siakam is a terrific young player and I can't wait to see more of him. You, he's a guy that's that He's just wiry, he's long, he gets to the basket, he can shoot the ball. We haven't even seen the best of him just as of yet. But what a great one-two punch with Leonard and Siakam. And then there's Kyle Lowry. We have to talk about Kyle. So Kyle's best friend is DeMar DeRozan. And DeMar DeRozan gets traded. And Kyle Lowry is long in the tooth. And he's like, he's long face, I guess. And he's just kind of looking down. He's like, wow. My best friend's not here. How am I going to handle this without DeRozan being here? Because for years, the blame for Toronto's issues was the combination of Lowry and DeRozan, the one-two punch. DeRozan gets traded, and Lowry's like, well, I can't do this without DeRozan. He's thinking, "Eh." But then Kawhi Leonard comes in, and Lowry doesn't have to be the guy. Lowry, at times, was the fifth best player of five guys on the floor. But that's okay. Because it wasn't pressure on Lowry to win. He didn't have a whole country on his back like he had before. Because Kawhi Leonard was there. He, was the, he got a lot of blame for the underachievement for the Toronto Raptors. And so you saw Lowry come out and really play well at times here in the NBA Finals. Gasol comes over from Memphis. And Gasol is there, big guy that can shoot the ball from the outside, go inside. Man, what a fine for the Toronto Raptors having Gasol on the team. Then you have Nick Nurse. He comes over as he's an assistant coach, moves 16 inches over and becomes the head coach for the Toronto Raptors. And he brings a little bit of a different flair. This is no shot at Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey was coach of the year and they fired him. But here's Nick Nurse comes in, different flair. 
different offensive sets, some different defensive sets, a little bit more focus on defense, and the Raptors win the championship. They got Danny Green, they got so many other players, including Fred Van Vliet. And here's looking at you, Bulls fans, when I talk about Fred Van Vliet, right? I saw those Wichita games. I saw how good that he was. And he was undrafted. Fred Van Vliet carried the Raptors off the bench. He was terrific. And it's it's just, it's not the obvious sometimes when it comes to the draft. Sometimes, if you have a player that can fit into your system, you make sure that you find that player. Doesn't matter if he's drafted or not. Doesn't matter what program he's from. Is he a player that can help you? Van Vliet's that guy that helped the Raptors win that championship. There's no asterisks. I know everyone's looking for some kind of angle, like, oh, Raptors win, but, 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 but. There's no but. They beat the Warriors' ass. That, that's the but, okay? That's, that's what happened. There's no asterisks. You beat who's on your schedule. That's the whole bottom line of it. Who's on the schedule for the Raptors? The Golden State Warriors. They, were, they played unafraid of the Warriors. So many teams, even in the Western Conference, when they see the Golden State Warriors, like, oh, man, we're just going to just get bombed by threes and we just can't come back because we don't have the three-point shooting. There's teams that changed their philosophy. He was looking at you, Houston. The, the Houston Rockets said, you know, we got to be able to match firepower with firepower. Guess what? You don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, Houston, Houston didn't have to do that, but they did. And you know what the Raptors did? They shoot the ball from three. They shoot the ball from the inside. They, do, they give you the mid-range. They give you strong defense. They're all-around solid team. They didn't win by just shooting threes. Point is, is that the, there's no asterisks to the Raptors championship. And it, the championship goes back into that, quote-unquote, weak Eastern Conference, you know. The championship is supposed to be always in the West, right? That's where all the talent is. But guess what happened? Guess what happened? In the Eastern Conference, there was a champion, and it was the Toronto Raptors. They won it, and well-deserved, because you looked at a team from top to bottom, and even their bench guys didn't even get a chance to play. Those guys could have had meaningful minutes as well. So the bottom line is, is that when we try to try to dissect it and what happens here, what if, all the appreciate the champion. A lot of you just got tired of the Warriors winning the championship. Cool. Fine. Now you got a new champion. Now what? You know what happens? Now what? Now it's wide open. Raptors have a chance to repeat, or we might have another champion soon. But the point is, is that you have to enjoy the sport for what it is. You watch the game. You watch the enjoyment. There's nothing behind you. It's the, the all the drama was right there. Injuries and resolve, and a guy that didn't say anything is the star of the whole thing. Kawhi Leonard. That was enjoyable. Don't look for drama that's not there. The drama is right there in front of you. <laughs> and there's plenty of it in the NBA Finals. Plenty of it. Coming up next, now that the season's over, there's going to be a lot of question marks, including the Bulls, on what will happen now in free agency because there's nothing like NBA free agency. Nothing. I tried to show them. You're listening to my mans in them. Jay Hood. Yeah. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. I tried to show them. And the ESPN app. Yeah, gone on you with the pick and roll. Young the flame here in sickle mode. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
Out of the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Hope that you're going to enjoy your weekend. We'll hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. We'll talk to him coming up at 8.10. Also, we'll hear from George Wilborn, comedian, funny guy. Great stories from George Wilborn. He's in town for the Chicago Improv in Schaumburg. We'll hear from him coming up at 8.30 right here on ESPN 1000. Glad to have you aboard. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet J Hood. Also on Instagram, IGJHood. It's got some fresh pictures for you on Instagram. Check that out. Um, some things that will blow your mind on Instagram, IGJHood. You'll scratch your head and say, how did that happen last night? Um, I won't reveal it here, but if you go to Instagram, you'll see it for yourself. Right here on ESPN 1000. Um, so this offseason will be very interesting. I've been seeing rumors. I'm not reporting anything. I've just been probably reading the same things that you've been reading about the Bulls and what the Bulls could be looking like uh, when we start the regular season. It, one of the reasons why that I enjoy watching the NBA, not just the Bulls, I'm watching the NBA, is because i got to see how these dynasty teams do it, how the good teams in the NBA do it, meaning how are they able to assemble a championship team or a team that's always in the mix in the running for a championship. I'm watching basketball from, from coast to coast, watching how these teams are able to build and try to equate what these other teams are doing to what the Bulls are doing. It's kind of why I'm into it. I, I'm watching the NFL, not just the Bears. The reason why is because I just want to see how these other teams are able to build their teams versus the teams that you and I watch on a daily or nightly or a seasonal basis. So same thing with the Bulls. You and I both know what the issues are with the Bulls. I don't need to be able to uh, relitigate that with you. You know what's going on. So I don't have to go through that again about why the Bulls are going through their issues. You and I both know what the issues are. So because this is an answers show more so than just rehashing and being able to chew our food twice, what we need to do is just kind of look at how the Bulls can get better from here. I, I will say this, and and I will say this on draft night. Chris Black and I will have the draft show coming up on Thursday at 6 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. I will say on draft night, I will tell you now uh, that whatever the Bulls get at 7 with their draft pick, it's not. I don't foresee it being someone that is going to be so overwhelming that that's going to make a, a difference for the Bulls team. They'll find a nice player, fine. And I don't know who that is yet. I'm still looking through these names. It, it seems like it comes out to two or three names unless they go way off the board and get, find a European guy that they can stash or someone that they could trade. But otherwise, it, they'll find a nice player. Wendell Carter Jr., as I said last year, if they get Wendell Carter Jr., fine. It's a nice player. And he actually was a little bit better than just fine based on how he played at times last year. But the point is, is that with all these names that are bandied about, and all these question marks in free agency, it would make you think, like, are the Bulls going to be in those conversations? You know the teams we keep hearing about? We hear about the Nets. We hear about the Knicks. We hear about Boston. We hear about New Orleans. We hear about Golden State. We hear about the Clippers. We hear about the Lakers. We hear a lot of different teams. You don't hear the Bulls in that conversation. The business model for Chicago Bulls basketball is you need to trade players to be able to get players. You and I both know that in New York and in Chicago, that it is uh, very tough to be able to find that A-list free agent to come. And I know that here in my hometown, 
you would think that in the city of Jordan, the city of champions for six times out of eight years in the past, that this should be, in this world-class city, an opportunity for someone to come over for your free agency and say, you know what? I can plant my flag here. I can help this team get to a championship level. But that doesn't work that way because you know what's going on with Pax and Gar and the perception there. And Pax has always said, you know, like, I can't – he doesn't, can't do anything about the perception. He can. They should. And the reason why that we continue to get B-list or C-list free agents is because of that perception. And so I'm just wondering, between now and the deadline, will the Bulls involve themselves in some kind of deal to get out of seven? Darnell Mayberry wrote a nice piece in theathletic.com about you know, maybe staying at seven, don't fall into the, tr- the trap of having to trade that pick. But I think the Bulls should at least consider it. I saw a couple of things. You probably saw the same things like every Bulls expendable except for Laurie Markkinen and maybe another player like Zach Levine or someone. I just think that if you see how the East is being built from five to eight as far as the free agent, as far as the uh, playoffs are concerned, uh, if you want to be part of that eight, you should do something to try to get there. As is, as a roster, I will tell you that as a roster, the Bulls are in a position to be one of the top eight teams in the East. Based on health, of course. <laughs> if you're healthy, why can't the Bulls be a seventh or eighth seed? If you're not healthy and you're missing players and you've got messed up rotations, then you are what you are. But I think that that's one thing you got to look at. You got to figure out, like, if you're healthy, you have an opportunity to do some great things. And I think that that is a top eight team if they're healthy, but they're never healthy. I don't know what the Bulls have until we see them for a full complement of games. And so that, that's a big question mark there. Um, some other things, too. Free agency also is going to be interesting to see because of um, Clay Thompson's injury and Kevin Durant's injury. Both of these guys are supposed to be the tops of the free agency conversation. It was going to be like this fade complete, like Clay's going to resign with Golden State. It's not going anywhere else. And then Kevin Durant, the summer of Kevin Durant. Where's Kevin Durant going to go? And there's so many places where he can go. If I'm Kevin Durant and not concerned about the Twitter egg or the silhouette on Instagram, you know what I would do? I would stay with a champion if I, if before the injury. That was where I would have settled. I'd say, you know what? I want to be part of a championship team. I'd say Golden State. But there's so many times where guys, and I can only speak for guys because I'm a guy, you just want to just you want to get your Lego pieces and you just want to have a reclamation project. You want to make something. You want to build something from scratch and say, look, ta-da, look what I did, Mom. I built this from scratch. There's some coaches like that. There's some players like that that just say, you know what, I'm going to build this from the bottom up. So I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go to Brooklyn. I'm going to go to the Celtics. I'm going to go someplace else. They don't have to. Uh, my philosophy has been for a long time, never be happier than happy. If you're happy in one place and you are, have success, you don't have to go someplace and try to be happier. If you're happy, it's not being lazy or content. But never, if you don't see anything that's, that gives you immediate satisfaction, why be happier than happy? And I think Durant probably was going toward that. Like, oh, you know, the Warriors don't need me. I'll just go someplace else. And that's silly. You should be happy there. But he's a brooding superstar that's all, seemingly always unhappy. 
as we talk about this with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 the ESPN app. So this will not be the summer of Kevin Durant. It won't be the summer of Clay Thompson. It'll be more of the summer of Kawhi Leonard. Where is Kawhi going? What's happening with Kawhi Leonard uh, now the season's over? Does he stay in Toronto or do he go someplace else? If you're Kawhi, he's got that poker face. You don't know. Never play, never play biz with, with him. No, don't, don't play anything with him. Don't play any kind of card game with him because you don't know what he's thinking. He just has a funny laugh, but he, he's not going to tell you what he's thinking because he's always got that, black, that blank stare, right? So he might stay in Toronto. He might go someplace else. But Kawhi was, um, had some things to say after the championship. Um, he says there's a time frame for all that. I don't know yet. I'm going to take it day by day. I'm, I'm going to enjoy this championship right now. And then you know when free agency starts, so you could uh, pretty much Figure it out. put the time frame <laughs> together. Yeah. Yep, I'll be but, here. Um, I'm about to enjoy this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kawhi and Kyle Lowry, they had their conversation. They sat down and talked right before they really had their official conversation with Rachel Nichols. Yeah. <laughs> Big Kyle. Hey, Big Y, what's up, dog? Man, man. How you feeling? Just, just limping around, but I ain't got to play no more games. <laughs> yeah. You feel me? I'm feeling good, baby. Yeah, man. You deserve it. Little MVP. Oh, yeah, yeah, this shit, this nice. This is real nice, man. Take a selfie, man. Yeah, man, take your trophy. Man, enjoy it, man. You deserve it, too. You're the most valuable Look at that. Look at that. You came out. Hey, I had to make sure we. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hold that man trophy for you, man. I'm gonna hold my t- trophy. Y'all can all share that. I don't need it. I just want Larry OB. That's all that matters. The journey, man. The journey. <laughs> well, he already has one of those. It don't matter. He got two. He got two and he got another. That's why he's so generous and wants to share with you. Nah. Isn't that great? They're just having a conversation right before you sit down with Rachel Nichols. Just they're giddy that they were able to win that championship. So you think that with Kawhi Leonard, you see that there's a, there's a conversation there with Kyle Lowry, and I think that relationship is pretty good from what I understand. Makes me wonder if Kawhi is going to stay in Toronto or go someplace else. Free agency is going to be lit. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, same thing with uh, DeMarcus Cousins, also a UFA. What if he was in a Bulls uniform? Well, that would change the culture immediately if he was with this at that team. Uh, and the same thing with Jimmy Butler as well with that player option. Jimmy Butler staying with, with the Philadelphia? Is he going someplace else? That'll be interesting to watch as well. So one of the things out of that locker room yesterday, some thoughts about um, from Nick Nurse, the uh, head coach for the Toronto Raptors, uh, talked about um, how the group just improved all year. It was a great group, though. They really played together. I thought they really fought hard. They were tough-minded. They didn't seem like this was wearing on them at all. Two months of playoff basketball, they never seemed tired to me mentally. They kept wanting the film sessions. They kept wanting to walk through things. They kept wanting to learn and improve. And I think that was a big key because we had to do that in the playoff run because we really hadn't had all that much time together. Nick. You are not new to coaching, nor are many of your veterans new to the game, obviously, but there was a newness to this group, including a late addition of Marcus Gasol. So how does a group in such short order become NBA champions? Well, it's a really tough-minded group, first of all, and uh, some guys that have played a lot of basketball. I think they played unselfishly and they played defense. That's a pretty good combination. Your journey, I don't know that there's typically a journey that you can map out to head coaching. This is a group that the highest pick was 15 in Kawhi Leonard. 
So the journeys of all of you, perhaps a little different. How did that shape who this team became? Well, I think it made us pretty resilient, right? I think it's, uh, again, a group of guys that really stuck together, fought through some adversity. We, we tried to keep even keeled. I think our veteran players did a great job of that. And we, when we tried to bounce back every time we needed to. Thoughts there from Nick Nurse, the head coach for the Toronto Raptors. So talking about the Bulls just for a second, and again, there's, there's this conjecture and there's just rumors out there about what the Bulls could do. I think that there's, I, won't, I don't know the percentage, cause I, so I won't even guess. I know that you and I would like to see some improvements with the Bulls because they're more interesting to talk about. I spent this time talking about the NBA Finals, and there's a reason why. is because we're talking about the best of the best. We're talking about teams that are involved in free agency because that's the best of the best. They want to be able to be, get their team to that championship level. But with the Bulls, that uh, you hear that maybe the seventh pick is up for grabs for some teams. Uh, that would be interesting to see if that is actually going to be the case when we get to draft night. Um, Hollins was on with Cap and Company. So, so Hot Tech Hollins was on with uh, Cap and Company talking about the seventh pick. And we continue to hear that in Los Angeles that Lonzo Ball is expendable. Lonzo Ball, the Laker that, uh, you know, and has played well. Not great yet because still a young player, but has played well many more times than not for the Lakers. Uh, would you trade the seventh pick for Lonzo Ball? I would make the move. You have to understand there's a nice system being put together there. Uh, with the Bulls. I like the way they competed towards the end of the year once they stopped complaining about two-a-day practices for a team that wasn't playing that well. And I, I know how you feel about that one right there. We don't need to, need to talk about that. But you got to understand, you got shooters like Laurie Markin and you got shooters like Zach Levine, my fellow, my, my young Bruin there. And when you put that around, when you put that around Lonzo Ball, he's going to have a field day. When you have to look at the Lakers, he actually played off the basketball this year a lot because LeBron James was so ball dominant. Lonzo Ball can play. He's just not – it's just going to take him some time. It's not, Listen, he's a solid NBA player. Is he going to be the superstar? We're not sure. I don't think you just throw that out the window. But as far as running that system there with the Bulls, the way that they want to get up and down the floor, and the way that Zach Levine loves to shoot the basketball and can play off the ball and play make, that's actually a really, really good fit. If I'm the Bulls, I'm not against that. And maybe there's a chance they get in there in a three-team deal with the Pelicans and they pull Anthony's, uh, excuse me, they pull Lonzo Ball away. Well, here's the reality. I, I, I watched this kid in high school. I watched him at UCLA, a fellow Bruin. He can shoot the basketball. He's not a poor shooter. He's just out of rhythm. And guess what? The Lakers didn't have a system. System is everything. And what Chicago showed you was a system. So don't, don't fall. Listen. Lonzo's not a guy you just roll the balls out and just say, hey, man, go get yours. He needs a system. He needs the correct coaching. And that's what I believe the Bulls have. So uh, it, it's definitely not the worst thing in the world. He's just not a ready-made product. And I understand this, the truth, like you're saying. He was sold to the basketball universe as the next Jason Kidd. Yep. Put him on the floor. He makes everybody better. That's not what he is. He still needs coaching. He still needs a system. Yes, the NBA 3 is, is a little further away for him than it should be. So there's, there's an adjustment period that is, that is there. We're not going to deny that. I believe that Lonzo Ball can be a good contributor. He can be a part of the team. And what's happening in Chicago is, is, is some positive stuff. And maybe the stress getting away is enough. Dude, think about it. He just shook his dad for the first time this year. There was no dad. He, he, he finally was his own man. And, and I believe that has a lot to do with it. Thoughts there from uh, Hunter Collins, Ryan Hollins, friend of the program on with Cap and Company. Um, so Lonzo Ball to the Bulls. Now, one thing for sure, the Bulls do need a lead guard. 
uh, someone to harness this offense. Is it Lonzo Ball? Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's Lonzo Ball. I just I would say this that if you're the Bulls and if you like your roster and believe that as is your roster is good enough to be able to be a top eight team, and I think it is, um, then you go you you stand pat. But if you feel like you can really upgrade upgrade the spot because I can tell from John Paxson's press conference he's not the biggest fan of Chris Dunn. He just he just not. He would deny it obviously in out in the open, but I don't think that he's the biggest fan of Chris Dunn. He thinks that Dunn could be better. If you don't see that improvement and you feel like you want to upgrade it, that's fine. Uh that's but the move to move seven out of seven, which is fine because uh, this draft is uh somewhat underwhelming, especially after you get out of three or four. If you feel like at seven that you want to move that pick to be able to get someone that can really increase your chances of of being a playoff team, then go ahead and do it. Absolutely. Don't stash the Euro. Do one or the other. Keep the the draft pick or find someone that can be able to help you harness the offense. And if that's Lonzo Ball, okay. Now there's baggage with that now. Okay. Just so you know, you know, the Bulls don't like that. You know, Bulls don't like that, that whole baggage thing where others have something to say about the organization. Uh, he was looking at you, Derrick Rose. You're listening to my mans and them. Just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. Right? Jay Hood. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You're listening to Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad you're with me on this Friday night. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. William from Jesse Rogers, live from Los Angeles, to preview the Cubs and Dodgers with us here on ESPN 1000. Also, we will uh, hear from George Wilborn, great comedian, got a lot of things to say. Chicago Zone, we'll hear from George coming up at 830. Uh, Under the Hood podcast exclusive, rarely heard right here on ESPN 1000. We'll give that to you coming up at 830. Well, you know, people get busy. You know, it's weeknights, and you got to get to dinner, you got to get the kids ready, you're coming home from work, you want to stretch out. Some guests are just not available for full interviews. Some just want to be asked one question. You guys lose this game or did the Jazz win this one? Time for one question. What? With Jonathan Hood. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Just one question. Oh, there's one more thing. On ESPN 1000. My friend Ray Flores joins me here for one question. Hello, Ray. Jonathan, always a pleasure, my man. Are you ready for one question, Ray? I am ready for one question. Okay, Ray, here's the question I have for you. What is the worst flight that you've been on in your travels? The worst flight that I've been on in my travels? The worst flight I've ever been on in my travels has to be the 12 and a half hour to 13 hour flight to Tokyo. The reason why is because, Jonathan, I feel like I don't have a long attention span. As you very well know, <laughs> having worked with me at ESPN 1000 for five years, and to sit still for 13 hours. And not to have, like, I'm not a big movie guy. I'm big on internet. The Wi-Fi was cutting out half the time. I was losing my mind. If it wasn't for me texting my girlfriend for, like, six hours straight, and God bless her heart, 
for texting me because she knows that I was going to go cuckoo loco and insane if she wasn't responding to me. That had to be the worst. The fight was okay, but when it comes to the duration, the time, 13 hours, and having to sit on the plane for another hour, hour and a half, then go through customs, my man, going anything above seven hours for me is like, no way. You might as well put me in an insane asylum because I just can't handle it. I don't have the attention span for it. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Jonathan. You're listening to my man's and them. Just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. Right? J Hood. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.